For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson with the latest readout video from our free Wednesday Wake Up email newsletter and the latest national climate assessment from 14 massive U.S. government agencies from agriculture to defense, energy, homeland security, state, NASA, and so on down, which definitely is not free. Indeed, as the Manhattan Contrarian observes in his skeptical look at America's new fifth national climate assessment from this bureaucratic hydra, what unites these agencies is a belief that humanity is setting the sky on fire and the only way to stop it is for all 14 of them to get a whole lot more money. That we deniers have all the cash is a pathetic claim when this tidal wave of government funding is swooshing in to wash away all resistance to the notion of a crisis and to giving these agencies many billions more. So, let's look instead at where the incentives are really buried. The problem of asking bureaucracies whose existence depends on there being a climate crisis to investigate whether there's a climate crisis is obvious enough to anyone who has an elementary grasp of economics. But an even deeper problem is what happens when those bureaucracies turn to known zealots to do the writing. After all, if the corruption were merely mercenary, we could, in principle, bribe them to dismiss the alarm as a hoax in the unlikely event that skeptics could ever raise the necessary funds. But at its core, this crowd isn't interested in money, or, for that matter, science. As Roger Pilkey Jr. exclaimed in irritation, quote, How did Project Drawdown, the Nature Conservancy, and Stripe get to write the overview chapter on climate for the U.S. NCA? End quote. Everyone would object, he notes, if people from known skeptical organizations outside of the bureaucracy were put in charge of the writing process. Yet, when employees of climate advocacy organizations are handed control over the writing process, we're supposed to pretend that the result will be something other than brazen propaganda. As Pilkey Jr. exclaimed, imagine if it was Heartland, Cato, and Exxon. That's how bad this is, end quote. Which might sound like overdone satire, except for the fact that it's true, including that Kate Marvel of Project Drawdown is among the credited authors. And Pilkey Jr. linked to a PBS NewsHour report that featured a typically bug-eyed Catherine Hayhoe and had the usual, quote, warming faster than the global average, end quote, tripe or trope. Send money fast. How much? Well, it turns out it's never enough. In fact, the German Constitutional Court just struck down a sneaky government move to divert money from a COVID fund to supposedly climate-friendly technology. And if you're wondering why politicians would try to do such a thing, other than chronic confusion and trickery on principle and for practice, it's because of a constitutional rule in Germany limiting deficit spending to 0.35% of GDP, which they bypassed during the pandemic just because, and then tried to grab the money for something else. Their climate minister, Robert Habeck, told the Bundestag last summer that such a court ruling, quote, would pull the floor from under, end quote, Germany's energy transition which in plain English, or German, means the whole thing isn't more efficient, it's actually unaffordable. And, in fact, it had crashed to the floor anyway, with them firing up coal plants to stave out blackouts due to all their lovely wind, solar, and Russian natural gas. So, what was German politicians' solution? Turn to better methods? Heck no! It's remove the debt limit and bankrupt the nation saving it money. 
Speaking of courts, we also note that Canada's Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault just got the smackdown from the federal court for having abused the Canadian Environmental Protection Act and common sense into the bargain by labeling plastics of the sort used in drinking straws and grocery bags toxic so as to ban them under statute intended to target things that are poisonous rather than things that are so safe that you could carry food home in them or even consume it through them. And there's more bad news on glaciers. Quote, word comes from Switzerland that the Alpine glaciers are in full retreat, end quote. Bummer. As in, of 102 glaciers that the research team examined, two-thirds were shrinking. On the plus side, it's a New York Times story from December 21st, 1930, thanks to Tony Heller. So, the natural warming and melting of glaciers has been going on for a century now and more. But there is more bad news on renewables. North American Wind Power passes on an AP story that, quote, wind turbine manufacturer Siemens Gamesa has halted plans to produce blades for offshore wind at a previously announced facility at the Portsmouth Marine Terminal in Portsmouth, Virginia, end quote. And Europe's largest onshore wind farm, that's Mark Bigden ETT in Sweden, has filed for bankruptcy. Meanwhile, the former chief climate advisor to the British government, Adair Turner, the first chair of the Committee on Climate Change, has called Britain's decision to open a new coal mine a disaster for something called climate diplomacy. As for something called poor people in Britain unable to afford heating, well, Lord Turner, as he's also known, doesn't know that sort of person. He's a graduate of Cambridge, a former high flyer with BP and the Chase Manhattan Bank, not to mention the consulting firm McKinsey & Company, and he served as Director General of the Confederation of British Industry in the 1990s and Chair of the Financial Services Authority from 2008 to 2013, where he defended lavish bonuses for staff. And he owns a house in Provence, so he can afford fuel. And now, a word from our sponsor. And yes, again, that's you. All the people out there who are already backing our work and all the people who are subscribing, more than 84,000 of you on YouTube alone, where we've had almost 10 million views. But we need to keep up the momentum. And that's why I interrupt to pass the hat to those of you who aren't already backers and say, please make a pledge one time a monthly, $3, $5, $10, whatever you can afford so we can continue to push back against the climate cult and win this battle. And now, back to me. Also, an alert reader sends us an item from Sky News that includes an info box of global warming since 1880 that, to create a debt clock style sense of panic, has the digits flicking over every second or so. What, it's going up a tenth of a degree a second? Six degrees a minute? Heck no. This is the gates of nonsense, not of Hades. They actually give the global temperature to nine decimal places, and as of 4.55 in the afternoon on November 17th, Easter time, the figure was 1.259310006 degrees Celsius. And there were how many thermometers in Central Africa in 1880 that could measure to nine decimal places? Or three? Or one? Or to a degree and a half? It's total rubbish. Meanwhile, from the coerced speech politicized everything file, Blacklock's reporter informs us that, quote, cabinet in a ministerial mandate letter says sports, including minor leagues in Canada, should cut their greenhouse gas emissions. The directive also suggested athletes become spokespeople for climate change, end quote. And for once, the proposals at least do dovetail. The more time athletes spend pushing state propaganda, the less time they'll spend exerting themselves, breathing hard, and spewing CO2 instead of subsidized baloney. 
Also, from the Better Than Life file, we bring you AFP announcing, quote, California startup to sponge CO2 from the atmosphere, end quote, using, of all things, limestone, which we clearly never had before, except in astronomical quantities deposited on the ocean floor by calciferous sea creatures, whose often tiny individual shells have been sucking so much carbon from the overall cycle that atmospheric levels have fallen perilously low, hitting just 180 parts per million in the last glacial maximum. But this time for sure. In the newsletter, we also comment on the unexamined assumption by people who claim to be following the science on climate that there's a surging number of natural disasters due to the extreme weather our fossil fuel use has unleashed. Thus, NBC mixes up present and future with, quote, Chinese farmers hit by floods and drought say extreme weather is getting worse. Experts say climate change could contribute to widespread crop failures in places like China, the world's biggest food-producing country, end quote. And The Verge tells us that the American dream of homeownership is on the verge of collapse due to, well, guess what? But the fact is that extreme weather is not increasing no matter how often that noted scientific body the BBC says it is. Not even the IPCC claims it's increasing, unlike NBC, which under such headings as Science News consistently prints rubbish like, quote, wildfires, hurricanes, and heat. The U.S. is getting hit by extreme weather from all sides. Climate scientists say it's an all-too-real look at how global warming increases the risks and consequences of the deadly events, end quote. But the two key statistics here are lives lost to natural disasters and share of world GDP lost to natural disasters. And the trend over the 20th century is stunningly downward in both categories, even though we are getting better at cataloging both the occurrence and consequence of disasters. As Michael Schellenberger notes of the carnage from natural disasters, quote, the 92% decline in deaths over the last century occurred during a period when the global population nearly quadrupled and the global temperature rose 1.3 degrees centigrade, end quote. As for reporting them, he quotes Roger Pilkey Jr. that, quote, in 1962, the EM data data set shows there were just 24 disasters worldwide. In the 1980s, there were just three floods reported for the entire continent of Africa. Come on. That's obviously not right. That's due to a lack of reporting, end quote. Now, even thus far in the 21st century, the share of global wealth lost to bad weather has fallen measurably. And on lives lost, if it were a chart of the share of world population killed, not absolute numbers, it would be descending even more dramatically. Nevertheless, a story from Euronews says, quote, climate tickets have become a hot topic in Europe. With rising cost of living and ongoing concerns about carbon emissions, these national public transport passes have been popular with the public. But there are mixed messages on just how effective different schemes to encourage people to take trains and buses have been. End quote. Gosh, have they really, despite being popular with the public that enjoys sitting in the rain while their valueless time slides away before being shoved into a dirty sardine can? We cannot imagine why. In the newsletter, we also continue our ECS in the Real World series with an estimate from UCLA scientist Troy Masters, who in 2013 published a paper in the peer-reviewed journal Climate Dynamics called, another snappy title here, folks, quote, Observational Estimate of Climate Sensitivity from Changes in the Rate of Ocean Heat Uptake and Comparison to CMIP-5 Models, end quote. Yeah, okay, it's not poetry in motion. But as he gathered up data on air temperatures, changes in atmospheric CO2 levels, changes in ocean con heat content and so on, and started crunching numbers, he decided to compare what the real world was doing to what the world inside climate models is doing, and, as people often will, he noticed the difference. 
So, he focused on estimating a process called radiative restoration strength, which refers to how quickly the climate system sheds excess energy to space after a change in what the scientists call forcing. So in the case of CO2, after a change in the amount of greenhouse gases and their energy trapping activity in the atmosphere. And whether the Earth has a high ECS or a low ECS depends in large part on how quickly the atmosphere can restore its radiative balance. And Masters decided to use observations on ocean heat content since most of the warming removed from the atmosphere ends up in the ocean. And he noted right away that the radiative restoration strength, or RRS in the data, was twice as large as in the models, and the only two models that matched the data were also the ones with the lowest ECS. He then went on to estimate the implied ECS values in the observation and found the best estimate was 1.98 degrees Celsius, which he noted was low compared to the usual IPCC range, a finding that's starting to look like a pattern. And on the subject of extreme weather getting worse, it still isn't. As Roger Pilkey Jr. notes, the fourth U.S. National Climate Assessment back in 2017 declared, quote, there is reason to expect increased tornado frequency and intensity in a warming climate, end quote. But now he draws our attention to a new study, which oddly is from Australia, but looks at historic U.S. tornado damages and concludes that losses due to tornadoes in the United States and even the observed severity of the events is trending downward over time. So, cue the whirlwind of rationalization. And further to that subject, from the CO2Science.org archive, a study of tornado days instead of tornado frequencies in Missouri says there was no significant change in most of the state from 1950 to 2002, but in one climatic division of Missouri there was a dramatic decrease. For the Climate Discussion Nexus, I'm John Robson, and if I had the budget of just the U.S. Department of Commerce, never mind the EPA, NSF, and Transportation, I would buy more shirts. Thank you.